Welcome to the Food is Life podcast with me, Jambo, and me, Steph. Now, this week we have a very super special guest. This week we have got Foxy, oh, who is a uh, physio who's going to be helping talk us through um, different questions you might have on physio related stuff, uh, health, fitness. Uh, there is a, a new puppy around us as well, so if you do hear any dramas, because there is a puppy. And, um, Not mine, unfortunately. It's no, it is Foxy's. Lying on the floor again. Yeah, it's the only reason we actually invited him on the podcast, <laughs> so we can see the dog. So, um, But this week, Steph is actually going to take the lead. So, Steph, whenever you're ready. I've got a few good questions for you, Foxy, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think, first and foremost, though, we should introduce Foxy... Jambo talks very, very highly of his services. Um, you know from past podcasts, Jambo's basically disabled with his knee. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't have much movement. And, well, you tell the story, Jambo. What You've seen lots of physios in the past. Yeah, it's just um, one of the more informative, more... Um, instead of just trying to get me back to normal living, I'd say he, he, trying to take me to that next level to being a functioning person back to who I was beforehand. So, um, Foxy, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, just, yeah, let listeners know. Well, fair. Um, so my background, obviously physiotherapist, graduated about 10 years ago now, worked in a variety of settings from the NHS to some in professional sport um, through to now private practice, um, which is what I do now. Most of my patients, clients are sports kind of rehabby stuff so that's where my uh, expertise lies shall we say yeah so this podcast is all for <laughs> you guys listening injuries we all have them they're all part of our lives so hopefully foxy can give us some top tips True. yes absolutely i think uh, we've touched on this before is that uh, so many people like we'll have something like oh my i can't do a plank because my back hurts and then yes. they'll go speak to a doctor and they'll say well stop exercising yep. or so common and, and then you get in this vicious loop and you, that's when we said before people will, might be 55 years old and they go can't do a burpee because it hurts my knee mm-hmm. but because they they've gone to a health professional who maybe not is not a specialist in the subject says stop doing that exercise so you far away steph yeah that's exactly like going to the doctor who send you to slimming world mm. well, and that, like back in the day like even recently as 20 years ago if you had back pain the advice would be say bed rest or if you had neck pain if you had severe neck pain they'd put you in a brace as now don't get me wrong there is a time and a place to rest but in most cases it's a gradual return to activity mm. and resting can actually be more detrimental to one's health than um what one thinks so yeah. it is really important yeah yeah, definitely. Right. So my question, first off, is just a little mm. bit of a fun one, but also one that really gets me. So mm. as a tennis coach and a tennis player myself, why do so many tennis players get golf elbow and so many golfers get tennis elbow? It's, you're right. It's a stupid <laughs> analogy. So I never use the term golfers and tennis elbow. I use like the technical term, which would be lateral or medial epicondylitis. Oh, that's so cool. It's, <laughs> which basically means the bit where, you know, you've got loads of muscles in your forearm, some control flexion, so the wrist going forwards, and some in control extension with the wrist going backwards. And they all connect into one point, and one is on the inside of the elbow and one's on the outside. And that point that they connect to is called the epicondyle, and that becomes inflamed, mm. hence epicondylitis. Um, 
So you tend to find that kind of pathology, any kind of tendonitis or tendinopathy that's normally called now is because of overuse. Um, and you tend to find with golfers, the, the load that you're putting through the tendon tends to be more on the side that would be affected by a tennis elbow <laughs> as, yeah, as the other way around being golfers normally get affected by the other side. It's just that eccentric load. So that, that lengthening of a tendon while it's under load is, is more so. Right. I don't know why it's backwards. Yeah, it's I've strange. actually got a question. Who actually coined the phrase? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I never use it. I hate the term. We've got to because, look on Wikipedia for yeah, that. Yeah. Because so many people who play tennis have golfers elbows. So I'm like, why call it tennis elbow? Just call it. I wonder, I wonder yeah. if someone who coined sense. the phrase was like, ah, oh, yes, tennis elbow, that's it. Yeah, made a killing <laughs> off it. Yeah. Got it the wrong way around. was like, oh. yeah. But I think that goes back to what we've just been talking about, actually. Like, if any of my players, for example, tennis players, get an injury, I'm like, oh, definitely just go home and rest. Whereas. Yeah. Actually, maybe that's not the advice. Another one is the classic rice. Go rice, home and go yeah. home and ice it. Is that still a thing? Or? No. Oh. No. There's actually there's a lot of evidence that, I mean, this isn't new evidence either that, that you know ice can be detrimental. You think of the inflammatory process. So when you say acutely tear a ligament, so you roll your ankle playing football or whatever, the body's natural response is to leak all this fluid and these inflammatory chemicals, and their main role is to kickstart the healing response. What you're doing with ice is you're constricting all those blood vessels to stop that so you reduce the swelling right well all that means is that you extend the length of time that that inflammatory process starts mm. because you're not getting that stimulus so they the back in the day you'd be thinking okay reduce the swelling and the bruising doesn't that, that's irrelevant now all right swelling so if jambo's playing cricket right. he's hit 90 Badly. he's hitting 99 whilst he's been batting yeah Great. he goes to run he rolls his ankle you've seen him play cricket <laughs> Have you seen him run? <laughs> he rolls his ankle. He can't do any longer. He can't go for that hundred. Mm. What's he going home and doing? Is he not icing? What if he's rolled his ankle? Yeah. Well, the first thing would be rest. Compression is still relevant. Yeah. Um, and elevation. You just take you take the ice out of the rice. Oh, so it's for yeah. the first it's, kind of forty-eight hours. If that was a real thing, yeah. I'd just be calling out Foxy to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a gradual return to movement and exercise. Yeah. So you just start, you know, for example, if it was an ankle sprain, you rolled your ankle, you start by just literally basic movements. You know, so you respect that the ligament may be torn, so you don't want to be putting excessive load through it, but just gentle mobilizations, gentle movements. And then you can start adding load, and then you can start adding plyometrics, so explosive work, and then you build on that process yeah. to the point that person returns to sport. And just to turn this into, like, real-world real, real world terms for people listening, like, and and this has happened firsthand in a in a gym class or something. Somebody will maybe feel like an ache or a pain, and that's it. They then stop everything, and then mm -hmm. they they almost get become scared of it rather than approach it. And this is why it's great to obviously speak to a physio because you need to obviously speak to someone who is qualified in this and not just a PT. But uh, it's to try because some people have an injury for years. 18 months, two years, they'll be like, oh, it's been like this for 18 months, but... Except they're going to get back pain every time they squat. But that's... Or whatever, yeah. Without actually, uh, like, yeah. looking at it and going, oh, I could actually be out for maybe, not even out, it's six weeks healing process as, as a journey you start. It's not all of a sudden you're six weeks doing absolutely nothing, and then you all of a sudden you're better. It's the, it's the process, so... Yeah, I, I think that's what people sometimes forget, certainly when you go into private practice. You know, just because you see someone privately doesn't mean that the healing process is miraculously shortened, right? So it, it's very similar to PT in the sense of, and I think this is where physio is going to go. It's going to become more S&C based because 
a lot of the time it is when people say, oh, what's the, what's the secret for someone getting, or what's the secret for athletes? How does, this, how does somebody who's done their ACL in professional football get back to football in seven to nine months? It's consistency. They're in the gym every day. They're doing something every day. They're spending two hours doing their rehab. Joe Bloggs, who's done his ACL skiing, is not spending that time doing his rehab. So that's why it takes 12 months or maybe longer to return to sport. Mm. There's, no mirac- there's no miracle cure. There's no laser. There's no clicking. There's no massage that's going to make that better. It's just consistency of doing your rehab. And unfortunately, normally the people who fail in their like, rehab journey, and failure could be anything from still experiencing pain to not returning to, to sport, whatever it may be, it's because they're... Um, yeah, you basically. <laughs> well, you just returned too early. But it's just consistency. Um, and it's difficult because when you go in a private practice, there is that expectation that you pay someone, you do it, it's all on you. I come yeah. to see you to make it better. When actually, my role is not to make it better for you. My role is to give you the tools to go away, hit the gym or hit whatever it is that the problem may benefit from and go and do it. Like accountability and ownership is so important. And you see a lot of practitioners, you know, physios, osteos, chiros, who they want the locus, they want that control. So they want every time you have a niggle, you contact that person. Yeah. And actually, that's not, all that does is create fear avoidance. And people then they say, oh, I'm not going to squat because my back hurts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to go see the chiro to click it back in because my back's sore. And that's such a poor approach to any kind of healthcare, really. Yeah. Um, that individual who's injured needs to understand exactly what's going on so that they can get over that fear of doing a squat and get on with it and do their rehab. Absolutely. I think as well, like we spoke about this, like, um, fitness oh sorry the the weight loss journey is almost like a health and fitness journey yeah. and a lot of people it's, it goes hand in hand that they start exercising again when they obviously want to get healthier and fitter and then we said you've had experiences in your boot camp where people said i can't do x y and z because this happens when i do it and i'm in pain well, i think firstly a lot of people are getting back to a health and fitness lifestyle they're going to have aches and pains because you've neglected certain things mm-hmm. before. But as well, it's like, it's like pushing the, yeah, like you said, it's almost like the, the fear factor. I'm not, not again addressing it. But for those people that are new to health and fitness, these are the things where I've heard it a million times. Foxy, I'm sure you've heard it. Mm-hmm. Steph, you've heard it. It's where people accept their fate rather than actually dealing and doing something about it. Mm. Well, chronic pain, you break down what chronic pain is. So, Chronic pain is defined as someone who's reported or has pain for over three months, right? Most pathologies, so most injuries or most tears, whatever it may be, most strains, after six to eight weeks, that tissue has gone back to its normal state, right? So then you break down, okay, why is that individual still reporting knee pain when they squat? There are some extreme circumstances where there is excessive degeneration or something has changed, that, that the, the state of that knee has changed because of a severe trauma. But in most cases when people say, oh, I've got a bit of back pain, there's nothing wrong with that spine and there are studies to be to, to prove that that I can go into but you start looking into what is what's creating that stimulus and you when you break down what pain is pain is an emotion pain is a chemical reaction and how your brain interprets that signal can be magnified or I don't know, I can't remember what the opposite of magnified is what's the opposite of shrunk shrunk <laughs> or it can be shrunk right and that magnification be can be because of many reasons it can be because of fear it can be because of just general stress. It can be because of lack of sleep. It can be poor diet. There can be a variety of reasons why that pain response is magnified. And I've had it where people have come to me with a long history of back pain, and we've just broken down like basic lifestyle factors. Because I've explained to them, your back is fine. You've mm-hmm. had this for five years. Mm-hmm. Like any disc injury, any any ligaments sprain, whatever it may be, 
will have healed within that six to eight weeks. And all of a sudden they come back and like, yeah, I haven't had any problems. Because they understand all of a sudden that fear response of mm. thinking, sugar, when I like bend over, it's mm. going to go. If it goes, because like, my back's fine. I've got a question. Sorry, Steph. I know you've got lists of things you want to ask Foxy, but um, so just like general populace, like this just might be from my upbringing anyway, but it always seemed that older people always had back problems, mm. right? And I feel like it's probably one of the, the more common things that you hear, and probably as a physio as well. I mean, obviously, I'm every time I've seen a physio, it's not because of a back, but yeah, I guess do you get like a lot of general population, like. Yeah, you do. I still get people who are like general population who, who contact me, but just because they're not an athlete, normally the same rules apply. So most people are weak. That That's normally the crux of when people Emotionally get chronic pain. Emotionally, yeah, like, I mean, I'm both. When you, yeah, but, like when you break it down, like we're not an active population, unfortunately. Like you get a percentage of people who are, but for the most part, we're not active. Like you, UK Active have already come out and said that only one in five UK adults do more than 30 minutes intense exercise a week. And that wow. is shocking. That's sad. That yeah, so, sad. Yeah. So when you break that down, like if let's say back pain, if we know one of the largest factors of back pain is sedentary lifestyle and weakness, well, yeah. it's going to happen. Like, And these people who say, oh, you know, I just suffer from back pain. Unfortunately, you, you do have to go into what, what are you doing to help yourself? Like, are you just, you know, a lot of people's lifestyle is they get up in the morning, they sit on the sofa or sit at the table at their breakfast, maybe not so much with COVID, but you drive to work or you sit in front of your desk all day, you come home, you sit on the sofa, you have your dinner, then you go to bed. Some people maybe do an hour of exercise in the gym, but it's not enough. Mm. So then people come to me and say, oh, my back hurts. Well, I'm not surprised your back hurts. Yeah. You're sat down all day. It's Literally. not designed to and, be sat down all day. And I think people forget that, is that when you do those things, you nearly are sat down all day. Yeah. Like, it's not that you have, like, obviously there are people who have standing jobs, etc. but the majority of our lives, whoever we are, we are sat down. We're sedentary population, so you've got to offset that somehow. Um like COVID has actually been a really good opportunity for people because a lot of people now aren't traveling to work. So you can say, right, that hour round trip that I would do, I'm going to go for a walk. Mm -hmm. So when people aren't doing that now, and when I have that conversation with people and say, why aren't you moving more? And they say, I don't have time. So how do you not have time? You were, you were spending half an hour driving to and from work. Mm -hmm. So why can't you go do something in that time? Do you, you know? think genuinely going out, even if it's just half an hour a day for a walk, literally makes a difference to your... Yeah, 100%. But from a mental side as, as well, right? Like I say, when you think of how the central nervous system, how your brain reacts to that stimulus, if you're in a good place mentally, your brain doesn't doesn't necessarily identify those triggers. So, like, for example, like, we've all done it. You've been out walking, you come home, and someone notices you've got a bruise, or, you know, you get home or whatever, and all of a sudden you look at it and it starts hurting. That's because your brain has made that connection mm -hmm. or that cut, whatever. Your brain's made that connection, like, oh, Shit, I've got a bruise there. But you've know you've gone through the whole day and it hasn't hurt. That's exactly the same. Now, if you're super fatigued, if you're like rubbish night's sleep, you feel a bit crap about yourself, again, that elevates that. So all of a sudden, those things you wouldn't notice all of a sudden become worse. So if you're going out for a walk, you get that fresh air, you're getting that oxytocin and all those, all those other good things released, it's going to help with pain. It doesn't even matter if you back pain, could be knee pain. You know. It's a good point as well. Like, and You know, like say, say some people that going to exercise for them is more say like a chore than it is a yeah. hobby like and I, I i tend to think of people that force themselves to my classes you might have a boot camps where people prefer not to exercise but when they're, they're not enjoying it or they're having a bad day things are 10 times worse yeah 100%. And, and and i i know i've experienced it where 
if I've had a really good day, say playing sport cricket, my knee pain is a lot less at the end of the day <laughs> yeah. than if I've had a really bad day. It's, it's almost ampl- amplified. So, mm. and, and and people they will always make excuses and they will pay people like myself or a car or an osteota to fix them, right? And the reality is when it comes to chronic pain or comes to pain anyway, the ownership is on you. You have to go fix yourself. You have to have that that drive. And I've had it with clients who just aren't doing what I'm telling them to. And I say, why are you seeing me? Why are you paying to see me if you're not going to do what I say? Because you're coming in and you're expecting me just to give you a cheeky rub down or, you know, whatever it may be, or click your back and then go. But that's not a long-term solution. Oh, it's, it's the classic, isn't it? Like, you pay any professional and you think, yeah, but yeah. people will pay me to lose weight. And it's like, just because you're paying someone, you're like, yeah. oh. It's so tough because sometimes you just have to be have tough love and say, right, if you don't get moving or if you don't change your lifestyle, this is not going to go away. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, and um, we're, in a, we're in a population right now where – it's very difficult to tell people the truth because they get offended. And you know what it's like, cancel culture. You offend somebody, all of a sudden, it can be all over Instagram, it can be all over Facebook. I've told people with knee pain they need to lose weight. I've told people they need to get out more. Um, and some people don't like it. But unfortunately, it's also I'm leaving. If I don't tell that person, I'm morally in the wrong position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, if that person is 30 kilos overweight and they're complaining of knee pain, well, I'm not saying the only factor why they've got knee pain is because they're overweight, but it's definitely not helping. Yeah. You know, and some people don't like that. And I've had people kick off about it. I'm like, well, fine, go find someone else who will rub it and tell you it's going to be great. And you'll have the same pain in five years time. You've got to help yourself. Yeah. And the good thing is, yeah, the good thing is Foxy doesn't send them to Slimming World either, though. (laughs) Weight Watchers, though. (laughs) (laughs) WW. Probably send them straight to KFC, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, all the list of questions, I feel like we've almost answered them anyway, which is fantastic, though, because we've just been chatting about them. So one of my questions and i think the listeners will take a lot from this answer Mm. if i'm interested too is if you had one top tip to help you keep a healthy body or maintain a healthy body Mm. for a lifetime Mm. if that's even possible what would that tip be eat well get nine hours sleep a night keep yourself hydrated and be active like Mm. i'm saying it myself yeah it's good isn't it there's no like if you're a strong individual if you're active and when I say strong, it's not like lifting 200 kilos above your head. It's just being able to do daily tasks. You're eating well, you're sleeping well. Mm. Happy days. <sighs> that is music to mm. my ears, that is. That's normally. There, there are some exceptions where people get injured from, like, you know, twisting a knee or whatever, and it's just a freak accident in the sport. They've fallen mm. down a drain or whatever. But most people who get, like, certainly, like, tendonitis or those chronic pain or those, those pathologies, those injuries that come without a trauma, you, you break it down and they say, oh, yeah, I've been sleeping so bad. Mm-hmm. Oh, my diet's all over the place. I'm not eating enough. And that that's 90% of it. It's funny you say that as well. Like what I see is certainly when working in an office space as well, a lot of people will sit in an office chair for eight hours. Yeah. The chair won't be set up correctly. It'd be a really old chair with no support. They'll then come away and say, oh, my knee hurts. I've got a bad back or whatever. But never look at the, the factors. Yeah. They just go... Can I have a massage from a massage therapist yeah. and that will make it feel better for a couple of hours? Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah, there you are. But um uh, Foxy, I've actually got a question, right? So six inches. <laughs> um <laughs> so for the general populace that are going, say like some of Steph's 
lean beans. Mm. Uh, a lot of them come from a place where they're probably not as fit and healthy as they once have been, and they're looking to, you know, some are getting a bit older. Mm-hmm. Um, you just called our listeners old. No, it's Gosh. getting a bit older. You just called my clients old. I'm old. Yeah, fair. We're all old, let's yeah, face it. To be fair. Speak for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so. There's only one hairline in this room. Um, <laughs> so, for the people that have just started out, and what would you say, firstly, um, how can they approach things gradually, potentially, and, mm-hmm. you know, those aches and pains, obviously, to, to prevent those aches and pains. But secondly, should they be taking things cautiously, but they still have aches and pains, at what point do they come and see you? I think the the first part to that question is that whenever you're in a deficit, whenever you're, you know, you're prioritizing losing that that body weight, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be so careful. So when some people are in like a 1500 cal deficit, you're going to, the likelihood is you're going to start getting things like tendonitis. So that's mm-hmm. why it's good to see someone like, you know, Steph, who does it in a controlled manner. Mm-hmm. But I see people who do stupid diets and I'm like, no wonder your elbow's hurting because yeah. your body's like breaking down what it's got left, you know? Um, so, and I think when a gradual return, it, it's a it's a good question because everyone's thresholds are completely different, um, and it can be relative to what you did as a kid because your infrastructure's there. You know, your blood vessels have already expanded, your network's great, and you just need to build that muscle mass or that endurance again. Or it could be someone who's starting from complete scratch. But the best way, I guess, is a gradual return, and you have to build yourself in. And I would say give yourself a time period of like six to eight weeks of starting slow and build yourself in because you'll know if it's too much. When when you say starting slow, are we talking going for walks or are we talking maybe running for two minutes? That's are we talking about is. mobility work? Are we talking about do I spend the first two weeks stretching and priming my muscles? No. Or It depends what one's goal is because if you were to tell me, okay, this person wants to deadlift 200 kilos, Mm-hmm. And you start from scratch. Well, you're going to have a different approach to somebody who wants to run 5K in 20 minutes. How about Debbie, who is, she works in accounts. She's mm-hmm. in her 50s. Mm-hmm. She's just looking to lose, you know, two, three stones. She's at mm-hmm. the very start of her journey. She has an exercise for the last 25 years. Someone like that, if, if her prime goal is to lose a bit of weight, it's put her in a deficit and just do light exercise. Yeah. You know, you lose that weight in the kitchen, right? Absolutely. But so, when... If she wants to get back into, because a lot of people it's hand in hand and they start exercising when they haven't exercised for a long time. Yeah. Do they? Do they? Should they be stretching first, mobility work, getting their body primed, or is it a little bit of everything, or is it just get on that road? Because this is what a lot of people do: lace up those yeah. trainers and try and run for half an hour. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think it, it. Like I say, it's so difficult for someone like me to say because without seeing debbie as an individual it's hard to say like it would be based on what is she currently doing you know is she walking twenty thousand steps a day as it stands or is she a complete newbie i would say when it comes to like running specifically um you know that you've got apps like couch to 5k that are super at managing load so they'll get you like walking for a minute and then running for 30 seconds and it builds up week on week so i think when it comes to like a gradual return to something like running which you also need to be fit to run. It's really important. So you have to build yourself into it. Like using apps are a really good tool. Like if you want to get into like the gym setting, I would really actively encourage someone to find a PT. Like because they will take you through that process and they can, like when you start getting niggles, which will come on to the next part of your question, um, they can manage that in the early stage. They can reduce the volume, reduce the load, change the exercise, rather than just getting to a gym and just smashing out the same set, the same weight for three or four weeks and being like, oh, my shoulder really hurts. 
so yeah, coming back to that question, I normally say to people, if a niggle doesn't go after two weeks, mm-hmm. then go see someone. Mm. Well, that's interesting, isn't I, it? I think like it sounds really. I know obviously Foxy's physio, and you feel like maybe he's going to say that because that's how he gets his yeah. business. But the amount of people that I hear that come into class that have got a shoulder injury they've had for the last two years, or they've always had um sciatica or they've had this or they've had that or whatever it should be and i in the past have tried to battle one but more recently since i met foxy every time i have got a problem very quickly to go see him and the problem goes away within two two three weeks obviously it's not a magic cure having a plan yeah just like a plan to return to exercise that's the big thing like normally if, if something lasts more than two weeks and you've say rested or you've taken anti-inflammatories, or whatever it may be that you've done to try and manage that in that two-week period, well, if it's not going to shift, then what? Mm. What are you going to do? Just return to normal and it still hurt? So you have to then analyze, okay, do you need an expert to come in and identify weaknesses, problems, or just issues with your current training load or whatever you're doing in life? Um, or do you just want to get on with it? I mean, that's not to say people, if people want to get on with it, quite frankly, it's no skin off my nose. You want to crack on. But you know, when people pay me, they pay me for my advice. And very rarely is that advice come and see me five times a week yeah. to, to sort a problem. Normally it's breaking down what are those environmental factors that's maybe led to that issue. For example, Debbie's gone to the gym and she's just started lifting too heavy. Well, you need to back that off and we need to build some stability first, mm. or whatever whatever it may be. And I just want to give an example of that. Again, obviously, just to show that Foxy's not lying and this is truly what happens. Start the year... I treat my back squatting. Um, I, she did. I had um, so big. I had uh, warming up with two fifty. I think it was like two or three weeks. Two sixty when it. Sorry, yeah, two sixty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah. But I had about two or three weeks where I tried to rest it, and then it flared up again. As soon as I saw Foxy, straight away diagnosed the problem, told me the exercises to do. I didn't have to go and see him ten times. Stuff that I could take away and work on myself, and then uh, from there. It was, you know, I think four weeks later, I was fine. Yeah. I think this brings us on nicely to physios as a general industry. Mm. And I don't personally know the answer to this. Would you say it's a saturated industry with a lot of physios doing average work that not necessarily, (sighs) or is it all good? I think we're, we're quite lucky. So we are regulated by the HCPC, which is the Healthcare Professionals Council, and they also look after occupational therapists and and other therapists in the NHS. Now, the way I always look at it, I mean, I'm biased because I am a physio, um, and that's not to discredit other healthcare professionals like sports therapists or osteopaths or chiropractors, but there's a reason why physios are on the NHS, because that's the most cost-effective way from getting someone from A to B. now, that's not to say that other professions who rely on, say, manipulations of click in a joint or massage isn't effective. They have their place. But when you look at the medium to long-term goal, very rarely do you see a study that says, yeah, massage is beneficial for chronic lower back pain in the long term. Yeah. Or manipulating a joint is beneficial in the long term. So I think as physios, we're in a better place. I also think it's, it's good because physiotherapy isn't just what I do. What I do in physiotherapy and sports it's a very small sector. You know, you have people who work with people who've had a stroke, MS, the elderly, paediatrics. There's a whole list. So you have a very wide knowledge base that you can call on. And admittedly, I haven't done respiratory or cardiology in such a long time. 
but if somebody came to me, I could identify those problems and, and refer them on to someone who's appropriate. Um, I think as a whole, physios are pretty good. I think as long as that physio, you, you have to be tough, you have to stand by the research and you have to stand by your methodology in that it's very easy for someone to come to you, expect a massage and give them a massage. So one and you thing, have to stand up and say that's not going to help you. Yeah, one thing you said to me that stuck with me for however long ago it was now, a couple <laughs> of years, is I was, I at the time had a shoulder, in, not an injury, but a niggle, should we call mm. it, and I was seeing a masseuse. Yes. And I thought the interesting thing that you said to me, and correct me if I'm wrong in what I'm saying, <laughs> um, you said, because it wasn't going away, like I was yeah. seeing this masseuse every week, paying him X amount of money yeah. every week, and you said, well, there's obviously you're massaging it away and it will go away for what a day or two yeah. but you're not actually getting underneath the problem yeah you put basically we, putting a plaster on it with well, that yeah well, like that like i said there, there is a place for that kind of stuff i don't want to discredit everyone you know i do sports massage and stuff right so um i'm not discrediting it but if for say for example i can't remember what the case was but let's say you had tendonitis you know a tendon reacts best when you put a load through it. That's when you start getting that change. So if it's inflamed, you have to pull everything back and start with you know, a gradual increase in load and volume. So like when you have a massage, you get a release of all these positive neurotransmitters that makes it feel good. Yeah? So that you're always going to get an improvement when you have a, a rub down. It's going to feel good. But it doesn't, that will be a short to medium term. So for example, you take it with a professional athlete, like a massage or a manipulation or whatever it may be, is, is used quite a lot pre-event. So you can get that person, they get all this positive relief of chemicals, they go and do their event, and then, you know, but it doesn't cure the problem, it's just getting that person performing at a better, better level. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's normally, like, if, I always say this to people, if somebody's weak, and that's the, the reason for your problem, massaging it's not going to make it stronger. Mm. Otherwise, I'd see a load of Ronnie Coleman wannabes, you want to get massive, come for a rub down. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't happen, you don't grow muscle, or thicken tendons, or develop a body, um, that's resilient by getting a massage, you know. Mm. It doesn't, doesn't, like I say, it has its place, like for the short term, but for like long term improvements. If you're weak, you need to go and strengthen it up. And it's not just doing exercise for the sake of exercise. It's it's doing those exercises with intent, like you would do in a gym. Yeah, because I think with my shoulder, it was I thought it was just tight. Yeah. But because the niggle wasn't get, was yeah a niggle wasn't going away. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's not curing it because. As you did diagnose, it was weak. Yeah, and a thing doesn't get tight overnight, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Steph. So, obviously, we spoke loads of to Foxy, and this is your podcast and you'll start the he's show. He's basically taken over, hasn't he? Yeah. So, he's actually <laughs> taken over from next week. Just a hairline. So, Steph, let's ask some nutrition stuff, okay? Mm. Um, how do you best manage your cal- calorie deficit um, when you get injured halfway through your journey? Because some people out there smashing it and all of a sudden, you know, they're back to seeing their physios told them to just... Have a rub down. Yeah, have a rub down. Yeah, they've yeah. just gone see a sports masseuse yeah. uh, and they can't do anything. So how, how do you best manage that? Yeah, so there's, again, just like Foxy said, it depends on where you're at. Like with your journey, it depends on what you've injured, how long you're going to be out for, if you can still train other areas, so mm. let's say you've hurt your shoulder, you can still obviously train legs and do stuff like that. So if you're still able to train, 
if the type of training is going to change, but you're still doing the same volume or the same amount, we're not going to change your calorie intake. Yeah, because when we're looking at our calorie deficit, we're exercising to burn a few more calories. So if you're just changing the type of exercise you're doing, you're not going to change the calories. But if you've injured yourself, if you've injured your arms, your legs, your head, your feet and all that stuff, you can't exercise for, let's say, four to eight weeks, then we're going to reduce your calories a little bit because obviously you're not burning those extra calories. But it's not going to be as dramatic as most people think. Like yeah. we're literally talking maybe shaving 50 calories off a day, 100 calories off a day. Mm-hmm. It's not dramatically because like we've talked about before exercise yes you're burning calories but it's not actually in the grand scheme of the whole week that many calories Mm -hmm. so that yeah would you see perfection on a nutritional side would you refer to elite sport so for example because the way i look at like from a physio perspective is when you look at say a professional footballer they are getting every input they need to get back to back to fitness would you refer to that as well because I think a lot of people don't understand what that means. What what does what does total commitment to somebody's health actually mean? Because you don't get it in private practice here, and you don't get it in the NHS. So is that the same in nutrition? What, as in terms of like you managing that athlete? Let's say that athlete has they've done their ACL, their professional footballer. Yeah. Like, would perfection or the complete yeah would perfection nutrition? Would you refer to professional sport how you manage that athlete? So from what I think you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, so would you manage like a change in calorie deficit for like an elite sportsman or mm. woman compared to what Debbie needs to do? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So not really, because in terms of just looking at the calories and looking at the numbers, it's like a sportsman is a human being first, right? Mm. So their body yes arguably is elite in terms of great what genetics they can, yeah. like me and jambo yeah yeah exactly yes and no is the answer but not really yeah. i'm going to lean more towards because it still comes down to the numbers like you're still going to have yeah. to change but then like a an athlete is going to be looking at a lot of other things yeah that's i guess that's yeah. what i was getting at like I guess the, the maybe the picture is slightly bigger should we say with mm. like Novak Djokovic compared to Debbie who's more worried about just general weight loss. 100%. Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, yeah. So, Steph, what is your top nutrition tip to recover from an injury? Um, there would be three things that I would mention here. I would first and foremost, if it's an injury that you really seriously have to recover from, we're talking about surgery and stuff, calorie intake needs to be up. So yeah. I wouldn't recommend a calorie deficit mm-hmm. simply because you've got to give your body enough fuel and enough goodness and nutrients and stuff to be able to recover because like foxy mentioned earlier you being in a calorie deficit is just makes things that much harder more stress on the body yeah um the second thing would be protein intake so protein has a big impact on building maintaining repairing cells so to build back up i don't know muscle or whatever it is you've got to um recover so protein intake making sure you're getting regular feedings throughout the day and enough in those regular feedings and thirdly nutrition wise hydration so making sure you you're hydrated go on jambo <laughs> i continue <laughs> so making sure you're hydrated in terms of one percent dehydration in the body is going to lead to things like fatigue slower recovery 
less motivation and focus and all of that. So not even just in terms of physically, but in terms of mentally being able to stick to your calories, your protein, mm. mm-hmm. your physio stuff that you this, have to do. My question sort of leads on to this, and we spoke about it. I think we recorded a podcast on it recently, but what about alcohol and its impact on recovery and stuff like that? Lots of regrets. Yeah. Well, we've all been there. I mean, your morals go out the window. Yes. You can put your crutches to one side <laughs> yeah. and you end up on the dance floor. Oh, I think I've actually done that before. So. <laughs> I've seen you twerking. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, there. I don't know the exact numbers and the exact science off the top of my head, but there is an upper limit to... So let's say, for example, you guys play cricket. So you play a cricket match. Jambo, again, is on 99 and breaks his leg. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Jambo. Yeah, and... If he has, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but if he has a beer or two after the game and then stops there and then rehydrates mm-hmm. and gets his protein in, et cetera, et cetera, that is okay. If you're going above and beyond that in terms of your alcohol consumption, that the main impact is actually you then not focusing on other areas of what we're talking about. So things like hydrating, eating enough protein, mm-hmm. getting enough nutrients into your system to help you recover. Mm-hmm. Um, so. So like obviously as well, like alcohol can have an impact on your quality of sleep, for example. Which um Exactly right. Goes back to what Fox is saying in terms of the whole broad umbrella of the lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, so big picture, yeah. Yeah. Like if you're not sleeping well, then that's gonna impact your recovery because you're not giving yourself enough what deep sleep to then you know, sleep, yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Look at us all being knowledgeable at some point in that podcast. I love it. It's still weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It's dirty. Um, it's been really good having you on, Foxy, and I think like uh, some people, I think you really hit the nail on the head with some really harsh truths that people needed to hear at some point because a lot of people that do start off on their journey again, want to get fit and healthy, sign up to Lean Bean, get into a boot camp because they're inspired, start complaining that they get knee pain, back pain, mm-hmm. etc., Sometimes it use that as an excuse not to go over that hurdle. And I think one thing that sort of struck with me with you, Foxy, is you say it how it is. And uh, mm-hmm. sometimes good professional advice and sometimes some terrible life advice, but at least you're there. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think the big take-home points for me are the fact that Foxy has mentioned the word consistency, accountability, and lifestyle. Mm. So... It goes back to everything that Jambo and I talk about on the podcast every week. It's a bigger, holistic lifestyle yeah. thing. And it's interesting to know that it even spreads out into 100%. physio. And- People forget, like, we are animals. If we if we didn't live in this cushy life where we have houses and warmth and water on tap and food in the fridge, if you weren't fit, you would die. I'd be dead. <laughs> it's like, it sounds awful, but something would come along and kill you or a virus would take, you know. We're in a very fortunate setting, and I think people sometimes forget because we do live quite a comfortable life that you should still be looking after yourself as if we are an animal. Like you wouldn't, you know, if you had a dog as an example, as we've got a puppy in here, you would still feed it enough calories for it to survive. As an example, you take it out to exercise, you look after it, um, and I think people sometimes forget that because we have this cushy bubble around us that they don't, we don't look after ourselves. So yeah, that's my two pence on it all. Oh, I think it's it's very refreshing to hear and it's nice to know that actually there are other professionals in the umbrella of the health and fitness industry yeah. that do talk sense. Look at it like a car. 
you don't look if you don't put oil in your car you don't service it you don't look after it at some point it might not be tomorrow it might not be next year but at some point it's going to go bang do you know what the same thing foxy every athlete that i do any sports nutrition work with that's exactly what i start with if you don't if you put petrol in a diesel car it's only going to go so far yeah i'm so um you know wise wise Wise. (laughs) right we're going to wrap this up steph where can we find you you can find me on social media at foodislife.nutrition on both Facebook and Instagram. You can also find my website, www.foodislifenutrition.com. Boxy, where can we find you? Um, I'm going to mimic Steph's comments. Website, catalystphysio.com, or put catalystphysio into Instagram and it will come up, or email me, dfox at catalystphysio.com. I'm not great on Instagram, I'll be honest with you. So He's not, but if All you are in... in general. But emails, I'm great. He is. If you are in the Basingstoke area, if you're even in the Hampshire area, mm. we highly recommend this man, this legend. I identify as... Oh. No. No, don't worry, I'm... Foxy did ask at the start of the podcast how, uh, <laughs> yeah. no. how rude he would be. No. Um... And you can find me, guys, on Instagram. Oh, at, no one uh, asked Jumbo. Oh, yeah. Jumbo, where can we find you? Yeah, here we go. Uh, you find me strictly on Instagram, at jambo.the.great. Thank you so much, Foxy, for joining us today. Thank it's you. been a real pleasure. Um, it has. I Easy. hope everyone takes some good, informative tips. I definitely have. Mm. Get walking. Yeah, sometimes you've got to take a tip or two to get through life, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Just a tip. Just Absolutely. A tip. Yeah. Well... Gentlemen, if I can call you that right now, it's been lovely. Um, if you guys have enjoyed this podcast, please do share it around. Anyone, friends, family, foes, enemies, we don't mind who you share it with, but we do thank you. And yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. Ciao. Bye. Bye bye bye.